coaches. You're tuned in to keep your pads down. The best part about your Tuesday. And this is episode number 136. So wherever you're checking us out today, whether you're over there in Tarzana, California, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, or State College, Pennsylvania, thank you for giving us a listen and taking us along with you. Uh, well, I hope everyone had a great three-day weekend with, with family and friends. And you know, I trust you guys did it up right on the grill or the smoker. If I know this audience, I know you guys were throwing down this weekend. So that's awesome. Uh, but most importantly, I hope you took some time this weekend to uh, reflect uh, on how fortunate we are as a country, as a nation, and think about the men and the women who sacrificed their lives for this country so that so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we do because you know without their sacrifice, none of that would be possible. So a big tip of the hat to those individuals and their families and, and all of those who have uh, served or currently serve in our nation's armed forces. We are so thankful for you and appreciate uh, what you do for our country. Okay, I know, I know I say this every week, but dang, man, I mean, I'm telling you, we have got an awesome show for you today, and I can't wait to share it with you. But first, I do want to tell you about our two sponsors whom we are partnering with for this season of the podcast. So the first being the guys over at Our Coaching Network. You guys no doubt are doing things this spring to better yourself as a coach. Uh, you're reading books, you're visiting with other coaching staffs, you're attending clinics, and you're listening to podcasts like this one. Well, those are all great, but you should also do what I do and head over to Our Coaching Network, create an account, and instantly have access to quality live clinics going off every week, all of which are added to a library that can be accessed at any time. So get on over there today, create your account now. Subscriptions are super affordable, and you can even sign up for a free week and then cancel at any time. Start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with Our Coaching Network. Next up, coaches, are you looking for a way to promote your athletes and athletic programs with professional-looking graphics? Well, then our friends at GoEdit Graphics have got you covered. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, the text, and the images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check out our Twitter feed today and see the graphic that I posted with a link for today's podcast with Coach Siegler, that entire graphic was created by me in just a few minutes with GoEdit. Uh, I was in a hurry and didn't have a whole lot of time, but I picked a template and the pictures I wanted to use, changed the colors and the text of what I wanted the graphic to say. And in just a few minutes, I'm done. So the process is super easy and user-friendly. And like always, uh, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Okay, so as I just alluded to today, we are talking with Coach Kyle Siegler, the offensive tackles and tight ends coach at the University of Louisiana, Monroe. Uh, coach Siegler is in his second stint at ULM after spending last season at UMass where he coached tight ends. Prior to that, Coach Siegler spent two seasons at Marshall University as the program's tight ends coach and co-special teams coordinator and helped the Thundering Herd to an appearance in the Conference USA Championship game and a bowl game during the 2020 season. Uh, in 2018, Coach Siegler spent one season at ULM as the tight ends coach and special teams coordinator after spending eight seasons at his alma mater, uh, Sam Houston State University, where he coached four All-Americans and helped the Bearcats to two national championship appearances. 
a former offensive lineman for the Bearcats. Coach Siegler was a part of a Sam Houston team that won a share of the Southern Conference title and made a run to the national semifinals in 2004. I should also note that uh, in 2019, Coach Siegler was also selected to the AFCA Top 35 Under 35 Coaches Leadership Institute. So today, Coach Siegler and I tackle the unpopular topic of getting fired. Not a topic that you're going to find a whole lot uh, of literature about or a whole lot of podcasts devoted to, which is part of the reason why we thought uh, we needed to have this conversation today. And I want to uh, really, uh, before I, I talk anymore, go any further, we really want to thank Coach Siegler because this was his idea. We were kind of kicking around some some things to talk about, and this is something that he he brought up. He wanted to share with you guys, and so I really appreciate that um, because it's not easy. But this this whole deal of getting fired is a road that uh, Coach Siegler, along with many of you guys listening today, perhaps uh, have navigated down. So so we get into things like um, stages of grief, you know, and support systems, uh, the importance of staying positive and being genuine, and keeping perspective throughout a a gut-wrenching trial like getting fired. And I got to tell you, uh, Coach Seeger does, and I got to tell you, Coach Seeger does not shy away from being real and vulnerable and honest about the struggles he's endured the last couple of seasons and, and just the frustrations and feelings of self-doubt that have accompanied them. But uh, as you'll hear, Coach Seeger is, is working through those things currently, but is better because of it and has a notepad full of wisdom for you guys today. So uh, grab you a pen and some paper and get ready to take some notes because Coach Siegler absolutely rings it today. So uh, with all that being said, let's dive in. Here's Coach Kyle Siegler on episode number 136 of KYPD. Coach Siegler, it's always great having a Bearcat on a podcast, so welcome, and uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate it, man. Glad to uh, spend some time with you, and I've uh, been a big fan of this uh, podcast for a while now. I do awesome work, and just excited to be part of it, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, we, um, we've we talked in, in previous conversations. We have some connections with you, like I said, playing at Sam Houston with a couple of my buddies from high school and, and then coaching there afterwards, and um, and we'll, we'll talk more about that kind of towards the end of our conversation today. But uh, you're a coach's kid, uh, grew up not far from from Huntsville there in College Station, or at least that's where you went to high school. So just talk to us a little bit about your your background, your upbringing and and really just your your intro to football as a whole. Uh, well, you know, born in Austin, Texas, uh, grew up in uh, central Texas between Georgetown and then moved to College Station whenever I was going into sixth grade. Um, you know, I was fourth-generation coach's kid. Uh, my dad, or my grandfather, uh, coached junior college basketball. was a high school coach and administrator for years uh, in the Rockport-Fulton area. Coached at uh, Laredo uh, Junior College. Uh, that's where my dad went to high school, actually, went to Laredo United. And, uh, you know, my dad, just growing up, being a coach's kid, man, I just, that was the life. You know, didn't know no different. I mean, it was such a fun childhood to grow up on bands and teams and, and grow up on buses going to games. And, you know, my brother and I both just kind of, we love sports. Obviously, being coaches' kids, we were around it all the time. Uh, and, you know, really, really blessed, honestly, when my dad took the consult job. Uh, Ross Rogers was the head football coach and athletic director who hired my dad. 
um, and, you know, really, you know, understood, obviously, that, you know, you've got coaches, as, as we all know, you hire a coach who has young sons who are coming up in your program that happen to be, could be good athletes, you know, that obviously gets everybody excited, and uh, you've got an opportunity to play uh, for my dad, play basketball and play football there at Consol, and uh, really loved it, um, knew I wanted to coach, uh, honestly, you know, wanted to do the Texas high school deal, um, I went to Sam Houston, I I walked on there. I uh, was a uh, preferred walk-on, as they speak, as they say, and uh, you know, wasn't a very good player, but really wanted to, play, you know, coach at the highest level possibly. At worst, coach in high school, and you know, I knew that, you know, really back then, whenever we were coming up, there was still that stigma that if you didn't play college football, like you didn't know what you were talking about, you don't, you don't have any relevancy in this conversation, you know, kind of deal. And um, you know, went there. Uh, you know, like I said, was was a very below average player. I uh, played with some really good players and had some, uh, some really good times in Huntsville. Um, but, uh, you know, got done uh, when I was playing and uh, went ahead and started my, my my master's. My mom and dad were very, very supportive of that. And you know, so they wanted me to go ahead and get that done where if I did want to, you know, go, get into administration at the high school level, be an athletic director, obviously having that is just a huge, you know, plus. And, uh, you know, once I started my graduate school, you know, I kind of had the bug, you know, kind of was like, man, you know, I want to try to make a run at this college deal. And uh, started uh, coaching some junior college football, ended up back at uh, Sam Houston, actually, uh, in 2010 when Coach Fritz uh, got hired at Sam Houston. And, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator, uh, Bob DeBest, was at Consol uh, with my dad. Um, they kind of just got to be buddies there. And they, you know, when Bob got the job, you know, he told my dad, he's like, listen, we don't have a paid position. It's truly a volunteer uh, quality control type deal. But you know, he'll get all the football he wants. He'll get to get his foot in the door in college and, and get an opportunity, you know. And so, thankfully, um, Huntsville, as she always does, finds a way to take care of you. And I uh, had some friends that were still in school there. I uh, did the crash at a buddy's house. I owe him a ton of gratitude. One of them still to this day, really, really close friends with him. I uh, stayed at his house. His mom and dad kind of, you know, looked the other way. I throw him a couple bucks now and then whenever I was able to do it, you know, and uh, got my foot in the door of coaching there and uh, was able to uh, be a part of, obviously, a lot of fun at Sam Houston. I got brought on full-time there in uh, 2012. Uh, it was my first full-time season as the tight ends coach and director of football operations. And, uh, you know, got to go to that second national championship. It was obviously, you know, as a off-the-field, you know, coach, you know, you know, support staff member, that was really cool going to that first national championship, but being a full-time coach and then getting to that second one, that really was really a really cool moment. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's uh, very, it was bittersweet, you know, two games right there, you know, with the, the Buffalo Bills of college football, you know, had a lot of really, really good players and won a lot of games, but never, never sealed the deal at the end. Um, and then, you know, worked my way up there at Sam Houston. I uh, kind of had some different title changes, special teams coordinator, working with offensive line quite a bit uh, during my tenure there. And, uh, you know, after that uh, 2017 season, uh, we uh, had another great year, made a run the playoffs. Um, you know, my offensive coordinator, Tim Cramsey, with, that was with us at the time, he left and went to Marshall. Uh, University of West Virginia, and then uh, at the same time, a year before the 2017 season, I actually interviewed at ULM for the offensive line job uh, with Coach Vitor. And uh, after that 2017 season, you know, Coach Pallage, that obviously you grew up with, is another Huntsville uh, native son. Um, he went to Louisiana Lafayette, and it opened up the tight end special teams coordinator job here at ULM. Uh, Coach Vitor called me, uh, you know, offered me the job. You know, that was the first time I guess I. You know, didn't have to really, I guess, quote unquote, interview for that job. Um, you know, I, I love it. You know, Coach V was such a great man, great coach and human. But, you know, after 
that uh, I didn't get the job, the line job in 2017. When he called me in 2018, I asked him, like, Coach, do I need to interview, like, prepare for this deal? He's like, Kyle, you know, we interviewed you for five hours last year. I, I know you can coach. Um, I just kind of want, want you to be a part of this. And owe him a ton. You know, after being in the FCS for a long time, unfortunately, kind of as much good football as you play in the FCS and the, the, the people that are involved with the program appreciate and love it in the scope of the coaching world. It's still kind of, you know, it is what it is. It's just FCS football, you know, and so – having a chance to get into, you know, coaching FBS football at ULM. Uh, 2018 had an absolute blast. Uh, we went six and six here at ULM, which is a very, very tall task and uh, really could have won eight games that year, um, but had a lot of fun. Thought I was going to ride it out here with Coach V and, and the staff. Again, had a lot of great relationships um, and then had an opportunity, uh, like I mentioned, Tim Cramsey before uh, their tight ends coach left Marshall and Tim called me and, and wanted me to come kind of get the band back together per se. And, uh, I went up there for 2019, 2020, uh, had an absolute blast, really, really cool place uh, as far as the, obviously, you know, the plane crash and just the relationship with the state and the community with that football program and the identity that that provides. Um, but, you know, kind of obviously ran into a, a rough patch like a lot of people did during 2020 with COVID. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, lost in the conference championship game for Conference USA. Uh, my head coach got regional coach of the year by the AFCA. And uh, we lost to our uh, Buffalo in the bowl game on Christmas Day. And, you know, we were on the street uh, by the end of January, you know, and it was kind of a very surreal moment, you know, kind of a wild deal. Thankfully, obviously, through relationships and just having some, you know, some friends in the business, you know, uh, was able to get on at UMass uh, after we got let go. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm from Texas. My wife's from Texas. We're living in Massachusetts. I mean, you literally, you drive past New York City to get to, to, get to Amherst. So, I mean, it was a a wild, wild deal to get up there and, and really still had some great relationships with the people there, you know, but, you know, as we all know in this profession, you know, nothing against my head coach that I had there, you know, he and I still have a good relationship, still talk and communicate, but you're tied to your head coach, you know, and the administration there, you know, decided to go a different direction. And here I am, you know, less than you know, 18 months apart, you know, I'm doing this deal again, you know, and it's like, holy cow, you know, just kind of a amazing, you know, I guess whirlwind, <laughs> say the least. Um, and then kind of struggled for a while there, you know, after the season, you know, went to the convention, did that deal and couldn't find anything, had some interviews, things didn't work out, you know, how ball didn't bounce my way. And then uh, I was committed. Actually, you know, one of my really good friends is a head football coach in AD in East Texas. And he called me and offered me an opportunity to come work for him. And I was done, man. I was going to go do the Texas high school deal, get my family back home to Texas and kind of regroup and try to figure out what's next for us, you know, and, just the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, it's, it's, it's always his plan and his timing, you know, and uh, he never, he never ceases to stop reminding us all that, you know, but uh, got a chance to come to ULM, come back here and uh, been super, super excited, man. It's this place. We love being here. My family love being here. Um, and, and again, kind of like the, the Marshall deal, you know, Matt Kubik, our OC, John Carr, our wide receivers coach, we worked together here in 2018. So, you know, as fired as I was to go work with Tim, you know, I got two of my still really, really dear friends that I got to work with before and we're back here, you know, doing the same thing, you know, so it's been, uh, been exhausting. It's been fun. It's been, uh, emotional. Um, but, uh, it's been, again, glad to be back here. Glad to be back in, in, in fun row, man. Well, that's what we're talking tonight. Our, our conversation is going to be, uh, about just to put it bluntly, getting fired and, and what that, uh, does to a coach and and how that affects them in a lot of ways that is often not talked about or discussed uh, among coaches. Before we get to that, though, I I, I um, 
when I talk to guys who are coaches, kids, I, I always, you know, I, 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 I like asking them these types of questions because I have two boys of my own, two young boys. One is just starting to get old enough where he can go on bus trips with us. And when we went state in 19, he went on, on the trip with us and, you know, spent the night in the hotel and, and he's been to playoff games and, you know, at the star and things like that and had that experience. My other son's is, is two and a half. He's too young, but I just think like, uh, I love having them with me. I have a daughter too. And she's, she's, she's around as well. And, and, and I just hope that like they remember that kind of stuff and that they, they have positive memories from that when they get older, you know, being a coach's kid, because, you know, they, they, their playground is, is our facility, you know, they're running around and, and, uh, and, and our coach, Coach Gibson, does a great job of just allowing, you know, making it a family-friendly play, friendly place. But what was it, you know, that you remember about being a coach's kid that really sticks out to you that was really special for you when you look back? I think it's a combination of things. I'm, I mean, you know, my dad, you know, really, I try to – and, again, I'm, a, I'm not a blow-smoke people guy. I'm a I'm pretty, pretty straight shooter. Um, and, you know, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm really a relationship oriented person, just my personality. Uh, maybe that's the old lineman in me. I don't know, but like, you know, I just, I got that from my dad. My mom's the same way, very gregarious, you know, lights up the room. As soon as she walks in there, can talk to anybody, never met them and they become best friends in 10 minutes, you know? Um, and, and really kind of with my dad, and I say it was a two-sided deal, you know, with my dad, when I was growing up, when I was young, age of your kids, you know, and my, my kids now, you know, my dad coached college basketball, you know? So I was, I was coming up in my formable years, you know, I'm hanging out in dorm rooms, you know, Hey, we went up to Saturday practice in the off season and, you know, dad drops me off at the dorms with the players and I'm in the room, I'm watching in living color and Martin and playing video games and chilling with the fellas, you know, and they got their arm around me, walking me to the gym. And, and there's no hesitation with my dad. Like, no, like maybe should I do that? You know what? You know, like he, he got it, you know, and it's amazing how like, you know, you transition that from whenever we went from, you know, being around grown men, you know, college players to when my dad got the job at Consol. Now you start to have relationships with guys that are your, you know, the guys you look up to, you know, those seniors and juniors when you're a freshman, you know, those, those guys you have relationships with because your dad has coached those guys and had, and then you've seen those, that relationship grow with your dad, and them, you know, and then it transitions into, you know, you get done with playing and you get older and you get my age, you know, and then, you know, unfortunately, you know, kind of didn't allude to this earlier, you know, but in that transition time period of when, you know, we got let go at Marshall when I got the UMass job, you know, my dad had been battling cancer and had some medical issues and my dad passed away. You know, we got fired on a Tuesday and my dad passed on Friday of that, of that week that I got let go at Marshall. And, you know, just again, an earth shattering life altering moment for any kid, you know, but especially, you know, you're, you're going through the grief of losing a parent and losing someone that you, you know, have such a, important relationship with in your life, you know, and then going through, you know, you're at the funeral, you know, and those guys that played for my dad are grown, you know, they got their own kids, they got their own lives, they're all successful, but like they're as tore up and they're as gutted as I am, you know, and you got a room with 50, 60 dudes that play for my dad that are all again, like this is hitting them as hard as it's hitting you. And it's like, dude, you, you don't need a lot of justification for why we do what we do when you really love this. It's just, it's, it's a calling, it's your passion. But like when you see stuff like that, it's just like it just hits on such a deeper level and just makes you like even look even more inward. Like, can I continue to give more to my guys? Can I continue to have a better influence and impact on them? Because you see how these dudes are grown men with their own kids and their own families, and they are just as tormented about the loss as you are, you know. And so I think that's something, you know, to me, like 
I encourage that, man. You know, I got a six-year-old little girl and I got a two-year-old little girl and they're up here as much as I can get them. Um, th- I mean, dude, it's a family deal. When you're a coach and you got coaches' kids, like those wins and losses, they may not understand the magnitude of them, but it affects them just as much as it affects you, you know? And so having them allowed to be involved in that and they have ownership, like they feel like they got something to do with the game plan on Friday and winning and losing, you know? So it's like, they've got skin in the game, you've got skin in the game. And it's just such a more family, like entrenched feeling to where when you have those successes, as you know, you walk off the field after a win and you give your wife a kiss, you hug on your kids. Like that's worth a million dollars, dude. Like, and guess what? It's worth a hundred million dollars when you lose the game, because that's when you need it the most. That's when it's the most like, just like, you know what, dude, like I'm still winning, man. Like I got these beautiful kids. I got a beautiful wife. Like, come on, man. Like this is, we're not curing cancer guys. We coach ball. Like we all take it way too damn serious. But like, man, like those are the moments that, you know, you really realize like, this is why we do what we do. And this is again, now they enjoy the joy that you have of coaching, you know, and, and that dynamic and those relationships with those players, man, like that's, that's a huge impact on on your kids, man. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. As you, as you look back on, you know, watching your dad all those years, you know, as he's coaching his guys, what are some things that you picked up from your dad that you use now today as a coach, you know, coaching your own guys? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that I always complimented my dad on was he was tough, but he was always fair. Um, you know, there was a, a relationship there and a friendship there with his players, but it wasn't, he wasn't their buddy. He wasn't there, you know, they weren't there to BS them and tell them what they wanted to hear. You know, and the other thing I think, and I tell my guys a lot, and, and you know, this is something I, I take a great deal of pride in is the consistency of, of your approach every day. If you're a high and low guy, you're a high tide, low tide guy. When things are good, you're bouncing off the walls. Life is good. You're high five. And we got music playing at practice. And then if something bad happens, well, we're yelling, we're mad. We, you know, our dauber's down. And it's like, that's not, that's not going to help your players grow as people, but it's also not going to help them grow as players, you know? So being that steady straight line that like, no matter how emotional a game or a moment gets for your kids in a, in a, in a, in a sporting event or in their lives, they can always find that center and come back to that. Okay. Like, Hey, listen, like this is, this is how I should handle this moment of stress and this moment of, you know, how, how good he was. And again, how consistent he was with that approach and and, and that vibe with his players. And I think something that, again, I, I try to model myself out quite a bit on that as well. So, so now let's, let's go back to the, when you're at Marshall and you just talked about that, you alluded to this week where you get fired and your dad passes away on the same week. Um, If we could go like to that week and just kind of, I hate to even maybe say this, but kind of relive that and just talk about like, so was there any kind of like writing on the wall uh, that, Hey, this is going to be it for us or something's going down from, from up top that's trickling down. Like, or was it a complete shock to you guys? Like how did all that come about? Uh, I mean, I think you never really truly know. Um, I think you kind of, everybody has maybe that gut instinct, like, Hey, maybe something's rotten. Something's going on. I don't know about, I'm not naive to think that, Again, even at the as 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 my experience in Marshall shows you that even at the group of five level, you know, it's still about wins and losses and it's about dollar signs. You know, it's not about programs and experiences and relationships, you know. So it's just that kind of shocked me maybe the most. You know, hey, you're at a power five school, you're making eight hundred thousand dollars a year. They can fire you because you didn't tuck your shirt in. Because guess what? You know, they got more money to to pay you out. And then the level of expectation when you get that kind of salary, that kind of financial incentives is Hey, there's a, there's heavy lies of the crown, if you will, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of going through it, you know, you, you alluded to it, you know, I mean, it's, 
it's something that, you know, especially having it happen to you that first time, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I was dealing with it, obviously, you know, thankfully during the COVID season, we had a two week buy window actually. And I was able to fly back to Texas before my dad had his heart valve replacement surgery, spent literally seven days, almost nine, 19 hours in, in, in the hospital sitting with my dad. And I mean, like, again, from a closure standpoint and like, it just, uh, you know, peace standpoint, you know, have that to look back on, like how, how blessed was I to have that? You know what I mean, like if that didn't happen, like this would be even more of an emotionally devastating event, you know, and, um, you know, kind of going through it, you know, I mean, I kind of, you know, just when it happens, you know, again, I kind of, I, I know you and I talked talk, talk about this a little bit before this, you know, you know, I, I've kind of since then obviously educated myself more and studied some more and, you know, uh, you know, in 1969, you know, a lady named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote Death and Dying, you know, just talking about loss and, and physically losing someone you love, you know, and it has, you know, kind of the most, you know, common, you know, ways to look at grief, you know, and it talks about, you know, first is denial, you know, and it's like, again, like, you get that call and you're like, no, there's no way, like, this is not, this is not happening, there's no way, like, we, we were top 15 in the country at one point during the COVID year, okay, during an international pandemic, like, there's no way this is real, you know, and then, you know, step two is anger, you know, and then, then again, like, hey, man, like, I coached a first-team all-conference player, I coached, you know, I, co- I coached on an offense that was one of the tops in the country in tops in Conference USA, you know, and so now, now you're, that anger and that, that emotion builds up in you, you know, and then, you know, they talk about the third step, bargaining, you know, like, well, now you start to look inwardly and like, you know, what, what could I do better? You know, what could I have done? Could we have called this play? Could we have played this kid? Could we have did this different, you know? And then you go to the fourth step is depression. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's such an emotional investment to coach and to give yourself to your players and to your program. And when that happens and you get thrown away after giving yourself and everything you have to it, I mean, that just now, I mean, how could you not in just human nature not have that feeling of just complete, you know, just desertment and, and, and being crushed, you know, and then obviously at some point, you know, the fifth step is acceptance. You know, you got to kind of, Hey man, we got to pull our bootstraps up and, and, you know, this is what it is. What's done is done and we got to go, you know, and again, kind of with me personally, you know, you go through those steps, you know, in three to four days, you know, before, you know, I'm, I mean, I remember it was, we got fired on Tuesday. I talked, I couldn't talk to my dad till Thursday. I mean, I called my mom. I was a wreck. And my mom, like dad's going through all this stuff. He's not well. I don't want to give him because my dad and I were super close. And so anything that was happening to me positive or negatively helped it affected him the same way, you know? So I'm like, he's going through what he's going through. He's finding his own battle. I don't want to pile on and give him this emotional baggage of, Hey, your son and your grandkids are in West Virginia away from you, away from family. You know, by the way, he's on the street, he's fired, you know? And it's like, that was something again, like that went through my mind, you know? And I remember my mom just was like, listen, dude, like if he finds out about this from somebody else, if he finds out about it, you know, somebody calls him because they read about it, like it's going to crush it, you know? And so you gotta, you know, you gotta attack that and you gotta be a man about it and you gotta talk to him, you know? And I remember having that talk and, you know, just, I kept assuring him again, here I am 35 years old, I'm, I'm reassuring my grown dad who's coached for 30 years, been wildly successful, and he's been the one giving out the advice, and I'm giving him the advice. Like, dad, I'm going to be all right, man. Like, we're going to find a way. We're going to get this done. We're going we're gonna to get through this. And, you know, again, just kind of having that kind of emotional closure a little bit with the professional piece of this to then lead into the, the, the personal loss that was obviously, you know, losing your dad. You know, I mean, it's just – it's hard to explain, man. It really is, you know, and just – Knowing that, you know, the the joy of the wins of football and the experiences that sports and coaching has brought me 
you know, the last, in my mind, the last images and the last taste he had was the bitterness and the anger that I had of me losing my job, you know, and, and that's still, I mean, dude, that's still something I deal with today. I mean, it's just, it is what it is, man. And you know, I think it's something that's wild to just to talk about, you know, and, and again, you say, I hate to bring it up. Hey, talk about it, dude. I mean, this is, this is therapy, man. I mean, you know, as a coach, you know, you're going to go through a lot of really hard things and we internalize a ton of stuff and we get mad at our players. We get, Hey, you got to communicate, man. You got to tell me what's going on. Like, I can't, I can't be the last one to find out. I gotta be the first one to find out. And, but yet on our side of things, we internalize stuff. We don't communicate our emotions well. And, and and we gotta be, we gotta be John Wayne all the time, you know? And so I think that's something that like, you know, to me, you know, especially that first time going through that, thankfully I wasn't uh, in the uh, coaches portal, if you will, uh, for too long before I got on at UMass, you know, but again, going through that very thing again, and, and, Nine months after, after moving your wife and kids to another crazy part of the country you never thought you'd go, you know, again, that really just, that, that hits you even heavier, you know, and, and, and this time, again, this time around was, was a little bit more difficult, obviously, for me than the Marshall one, um, to be totally honest with you. Um, and again, you know, that's kind of what we were talking about, you know, kind of wanted to allude to kind of just what I went through and kind of some things we did during that. I do want to talk about that experience as well, but I, I want to go back to that conversation with your dad. What, what did he tell you? Uh, when you when you had that conversation with him about what was happening at Marshall, well, you know, as a parent, um, I, I'm you know I'm I'm guilty of it too, as we all are. Like our kids are perfect. My kids never do anything wrong. Both my girls are angels. They've they've never made a mistake in my eyes. Like, and again, I get it, you know. And <clears throat> you know, the one thing my dad said, you know, was, you know, which really kind of to me was one of the things that really kind of helped me get through it. Is again, like you just naturally when that happens, like. You go from, and I and I, I say this to people, I'm telling to my players today, like a year before, or in 2018, I was voted to the AFCA 35 under 35. Um, this is the future stars of this profession. These are the bright, shining lights in this football world, and these guys are going to be the next Nick Saban, Dabo, Sweeney, all this stuff. And you fast forward 19, 19, 18 months from that point, and I'm fired. Okay, so like, wait a minute. Whoa, like this isn't how this is supposed to go. Like this Disney movie we're on is – we're getting to the cool part, not the the rough patch, you know? And that was something my dad kind of kept saying was like, listen, man, like this has nothing to do with the quality of coach you are. This has nothing to do with the quality of person you are. This has to do with the circumstances that you work for. And, you know, again, when you're not the CEO of the company and the, 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 the buck doesn't stop with you, you're part of the, you're part of the program, you're part of the machine, you know, again, some things are just out of your hands, you know? And, you know, again, like, you just, you, you, he kept reminding me over and over, like, dude, like, look at the successes y'all have had. Look at the relationships you have with your players. Like, look at the, the way you're, you know, you're, you're doing such a good job of managing being a coach and trying to, and then being a good dad and a husband, you know, like those are the things that he kind of brought to it very quickly. And it was just kind of like, you know, I mean, it's, you kind of, sometimes it's like the smelling salts, man, you know, like you need to hear some of that stuff and it kind of brings you back. Like, you know what, he's right. You know, and it kind of brought you back from a, from that negative place, that depression part of it to, Hey, you know what, man, like this is what it is, you know? And like I said, I mean, he, our whole lives talked to us about adversity and, and handling adversity, managing that, being bigger than the moment, being, you know, being, I know you can't say that these days, but being a man, you know, and what it takes to be a man and be a husband and be a father and to be a coach, like these things are, are not going to define you. They're just going to be parts of the story that at the end is obviously what you've made of your life and your career, you know, and, 
And again, it's one of those things you just hear those things when you're a kid. You hear him, I hear him telling his players when I was little. I heard him telling my teammates and myself when I played for him. And then after the fact, when I go back and I'm I'm a college football coach and I'm recruiting and I'm up in North Dallas and I'm watching him coach RJ Hampton, who's playing in the NBA, it was a lottery pick. He's telling him the same stuff, you know, and it's like it's just one of those deals. It's just like you get goosebumps thinking about it because it's like, man, like there's not there's so much there's so much depth to that message, but it's also so true and so valid, you know, and, and to have something that's such a heavy hitting thing and conversation to have and to have all that stuff, all those moments that you've heard prior to this verified. Again, it not only verifies your relationship with him, but it also verifies like, dude, like this is why we were called to do this. This is why this is in our blood. This is just who we are as a family. So you talked about those stages of grief and, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Well, I've always, I guess the, the, the greatest loss that I've experienced in my life up to this point is my father-in-law passing away suddenly, actually right before we moved here to Texarkana, two weeks before we moved, died in a, in a freak accident. And it's, it's, I just remember, it's like, you don't have time to like dwell on, I mean, you, you know, you grieve and you have to, and you go through all those stages of grief you're talking about, but like, as a husband and as, as, as the leader of your, your family. And also like in a, on a practical sense, like you have, you have to move your family. Like we have to move across the state. We're moving from Kerrville, Texas to Texas, Canada, Texas, seven hour drive or seven hour. Yeah. Seven hours away. Like we, we, we still got to move. We still got all this stuff to do. So it's like, at some point you kind of have to like, I don't know, but not put it behind you, but you got to like put that away for a second. So I guess what I'm asking is, is, like, what advice would you give someone when they're going through those stages? Like, is there a set time? Like, all right, you spend this amount of time in this stage, this amount of time in this stage, you know? And then, and then, how do you keep from getting bitter, you know, or being bitter? Well, I think I think the the, the thing kind of adding on again, obviously, that book was published in nineteen sixty nine. I mean, like, it's a long time ago, and a lot of things have changed, and, and, and a lot of you know people that study this and psychology have gone like that's the thing that's kind of the new school thought is. Those are the five stages that you go through, but people also, each individual person has a different order. You know what I mean? Like some people, you know, hey, dude, like I, and I, I love the guys I coached. I love, I love the kids. I, you know, I, the, the experience last year, we went one and 11 at UMass. I mean, the acceptance part of this deal was a lot earlier for me there than it was at Marshall. You know what I mean? Like, and again, you know, our head coach got let go with three games left in the year. So like it was not even the end of the season. And the acceptance deal was already in my mind, you know, like, Hey man, like, this is it. We got our walking orders. Like we're dead men walking. So like that experience individually for me, it was, you know, those, those things went different order. Um, you know, but you know, the big thing is, you know, to me, like this is the thing I'm really one of the things I'm the most passionate about is, you know, I've said a long time, dude, like when they put me in the ground, they don't think I'm a good football coach, but my wife is there. Kids are there. Their kids are there. And there's a bunch of people that I've come into contact with and my friends and my close, you know, my players, the relationships I've built. If those people are upset and they're hurt that I'm gone, the football stuff is irrelevant. You know what I mean? And so to me, like, you know, caring about the relationship part of this and the people that you're, you're, in, you're in this journey with, you know, that to me is the thing that like, you've got to, you've got to protect the most when this happens to you. And, and it's really, really hard. It's really hard that you have to think about it every day. You got to get up and literally open your eyes and go, okay, I can't be mad if the, if the kids are running around loud, watching cartoons, getting ready for before school. I can't be upset if my wife asked me to do some honeydew because I'm at the house all day because I don't have a job 
and I don't want to do it because I don't want to be mad. I don't want to just be mad at the world and be a bitter guy. But like at the end of the day, like you said, like there's we're all part of a bigger, bigger deal here. You know, and at the end of the day, the only title I care about is dad. I don't care about coach. I care about dad. Okay. So like my kids didn't fire us. Okay. My kids didn't have us, they didn't want us to lose 10 games or you know, whatever it was, 10 games last year, 11 games. You know what I mean? Like that's not their fault. You know, it's not my wife's fault. You know, if anything, I've been more impressed with my with my wife and her handling this and her management of myself. Cause again, as we all do. I can be the biggest baby of all of the ones in the house that we got, you know, as far as when it comes to this stuff, you know, and it's like, you know, you really have to guard yourself because again, like it's just human nature. Right. And especially like you said, like I'm, we're in a different part of the world. We have no family. We have no real relationships with other, other than the people that we got fired. And again, when you get fired and there's other people that are in the fold, like those relationships don't get lost, but like all it is is a constant reminder of, of, of the, the misery and the pain that you just went through, you know? So like, you distance yourself from those people and those relationships sometimes too in that time period, you know? And I think it's just kind of, you, know, you really got to check yourself. And it's like, like being, being a man and being a dad and being a husband is like, it, it requires some, some, some cognitive choices to be made because it's very easy. And again, dude, you see it all across this profession, man. There's, there's broken families and divorced husbands and, and ex coaches wives all over the place. And again, to me, like, I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for myself. So like, I can't damage those relationships because of that, you know? And again, again, like you, you, you ask, how do you not get bitter? It's very hard to not be bitter about the stuff. And again, it's even harder. You know, when I got, if I would have gotten fired, you know, the first time when I was just newly married and we ain't got no kids, we ain't got no worries. Like, dude, we'll throw our stuff in the truck and let's ride on the next one, man. Let's do it. You know, but then you come into the equation that now I have human beings that I have to keep alive and I have to provide for, um, that changes the dynamic even more because that pressure, that 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 wrench that's tightening around your throat, like making you kind of you're losing sleep at night. Because again, it's at this point, it's not just about you and your career and your future in this profession. It's about how am I going to get my kids home? Like how are we going to get our family back to Texas or back to the South to where we can get closer family so we can now at least have our support system of our family be a part of our lives again, you know? And so I think it's you know it's it's. The biggest thing, too, that I've also talked about, and I've said this to a bunch of guys, you know, Derek Jones is uh, the corners coach at Virginia Tech. Um, he's an awesome dude, great human being. Like, he's he understands. Like I said earlier, we're not curing cancer. Like, Derek Jones, is he, he defines that. Like, he's about the kids' relationship. He loves ball. But, like, at the end of the day, like, he told me a story. And, I, I mean, it hit me hard. I'm in San Antonio. I'm in my convention slacks. I'm rolling around. I'm trying to get jobs. I'm interviewing anybody I can talk to. And I ran into him and I just introduced myself because our quarterbacks coach, Fred Walker, uh, and him worked together at Duke. And I just said, hey, you know, coach, heard a ton of good things about you. I love you on social media. I love what you're about. I just want to say hello. And he stopped me and he said, coach, he said, let me tell you, man. He said, you know, when I was the first time I got fired, he said, my oldest daughter was about six, seven years old. And I said, well, okay, that's crazy. Coach, it's the age of my daughter. He says, yeah. He said, you know, we got fired. And for the Christmas party, there were – there was two dads in the whole class that came. I came and I brought cupcakes. My daughter walked me around and introduced me to all her classmates and gave them cupcakes. He says, his daughter's grown now. She's got her own life. She's doing her own thing. And she still to this day talks about him coming to her elementary school class for the Christmas party and bringing cupcakes. And would he have ever had that opportunity if he wouldn't have been let go, if he wouldn't have been fired? You know, they'd been recruiting or at a bowl game or something else that ties us in this profession, you know? And he's like, dude, like, 
bleed every second of the time with your kids and your wife and your family because you're going to get another job. You're too good a coach. You're too smart. You're too, you know, you're just, this is too much what you do and who you're about to not have another opportunity to do this, but you're never going to get this time period with your kids and your wife ever again. This amount of time where it could just be y'all and y'all can do stuff, go to the park, be a dad, like, and just do that, you know? And like, I was already doing that prior to that, but not to the scale that I wanted to, because I was so concerned with this in the next job and who can I call next and, and refreshing football scoop every 10 seconds on your phone, you know, like, like, and I was like, dude, like I'm going about this all wrong, you know, like, so like then I did a lot more stuff. I'm taking my girls to school. I'm picking them up from school. We're going to the park. We're doing all kinds of wild stuff all the time. And it was like, I look back and I'm like, dude, like that was so much fun. And like, I, I was so rejuvenated when I came here and when I took this job and I was so like spirited because not only was the burden of now I have a job and I can provide my family that was fulfilled, but also like had so much fun being with my kids and doing that. Like, it was just like, man, like I'm ready to go. And it just totally recharged my batteries and got me to where like now I'm in such a good place to, to really put myself and pour myself into these guys. You know? Well, I, you, you talked about her and I want to give you a chance to, to talk about her some more. Just the importance of that is, is your wife. And, you know, for those of us who are married, a coach's wife, like, I think that's the most important decision that you can make as a coach is who you decide to marry. And so I'll let you talk to guys maybe who aren't married yet, the coaches who aren't married, and and, and just about what they need to look for when it comes to a wife. Like, here's your, your marriage counselor hat you're putting on now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm saying, like, talk about, like, the, the qualities and characteristics that your wife has and, like, what what a good coach's wife needs to be. And 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 because that's, that's such a, a crucial role, and you're right. Like, it can make the life of a coach miserable, or it can be the thing that that relationship can be the thing that keeps them – from crumbling when everything else is falling, falling, you know, falling apart around them. Sure. Um, I think the big thing, you know, again, you kind of go back, like we talked a lot about my dad earlier. Um, I think I, I, I kind of had some traits because again, like being a fourth generation coach, like I heard how my mom got basically in, indoctrinated into this life and then being a coach's wife from my dad's mom. And then, you know, obviously being around my mother, who's a, who's a coach's wife, obviously for a long, long time, you know, you saw, you saw the investment and you saw the time that, that she had to put in. So like, I'm fully aware of all the hats that the head coach's wife or any coach's wife for that matter has to wear. And, you know, I think the big thing was for me personally, um, you know, my wife, she's the athlete in the house. Uh, she was a really, really good softball player at Sam Houston. Um, so her level of commitment, her understanding of time putting in to be great at sports, especially at the college level, there was a, there was an immediate understanding of that, you know, and I think sometimes, you know, you, you, you can't pick always where you meet your spouse or how that those relationships and those sparks fly, if you will. But like her background of being an athlete and being, I mean, my wife was a gritty athlete. She's a gritty player. I mean, worked her butt off, you know, grinder, you know, so like she gets what it takes to be good at this. She understands that there's going to be time outside of the normal operating hours where I'm either going to have to be working or we're going to have boys at the house and we're going to be feeding them. I mean, dude, I'll never forget the first time she, we did when Josh, Josh Lyons was playing for me at Sam Houston. We had those, I had those, those, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a really pro professional word to say those uh, wild young men that I had in that time period over to our house for Thanksgiving. I mean, dude, she cooked the ham. We did a Turkey. I'm talking sides, pies, whole deal. And I, I came in there and I mean, these dudes ate their faces off and every guy took a pie home with them. And I'm just sitting there like in awe, like we got one oven, like, dude, like what, who are you? Just like complete 
savage, you know, and, and then again, like that's the early part of it. And then you go into now the dynamic is you're living as well. Now we're parents. Okay. So now the stress of getting little girls ready before school and, and doing those things and taking them from daycare and picking them up, because obviously in the season, I'm out of pocket, like outside of maybe Friday where I can go take them to get donuts and take them to school. And I get to be Superman for, for Friday mornings. And she's, she's out there in the trenches, you know, all the time before that, you know? So I think, you know, just understanding, you know, when you find that partner and you're looking for that person, like someone who's committed to something outside of just, you know, Hey, I really like my job or, Hey, I kind of like to go biking or I kind of like to do this. Like someone who's really passionate about something you can, you can vibe on that and you can pick up like, dude, they're serious about whatever it is, insert, you know, interest here. Um, but again, I think just having that, that athletic background, I think is big, man, you know, cause again, especially you know, we're lucky being in Texas. I mean, even, even female athletics in Texas is, is locked down real deal, Holy field. You know what I mean? So like these girls are brought up just like the boys are, you know, they're, they're getting pushed, they're working hard and they're grinding just like the boys are. So I think that was kind of an easy transition for her. And I think even then still, there's a, there's a shock factor to this man, you know, I mean, it's, you know especially you guys coaching in high school. I mean, dude, I already have so much respect for just what y'all are doing for your kids and the relationship with your players. But, you know, dude, I was in high school. We played Tuesday night basketball game at Copper's Cove. I mean, you're getting home at three in the morning. You got to be at school at seven the next day. So like you're driving the bus, you're dropping the bus off. So you may not get home till four or five in the morning. Right. So then you go in, you make a pot of coffee, help get the kids up. You're a zombie all Wednesday, but Hey man, like this is what, I, this is what we chose, you know? And it's like, those things and those, 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 some things you're going to miss, you know, and some things you're not hopefully going to have to miss, you know? And I think the big thing too, is just like you said it. And again, I think it's big. It's like encouraging them to have the investments in it. You know, I think I'm a big thing I do is like, I try to, when I walk in the door, like if it's a really bad day, she's going to get the cliff notes. Okay. If it's a really good day. She's getting the, the 60 minutes version. Okay. Like we're going all out because you want them to really experience the joy and appreciate the joy. But at the same time, sometimes the burden of the negative and the bad, bad, you don't want her to have to go through and, and live it too, you know? And, and we've got a great dynamic. She gets it. Well, I'm like, I, I, Hey, like, dude, like, I'm just, I'm not there right now, man. I can't talk about it yet. You know, she gets it. She gives me my space and then eventually it'll come to light. Eventually we'll talk about it. But like that communication piece of it is something that I've, in my opinion, I've grown a bunch with, in the last 18 months going through all this stuff, because again, like, you know, I, you know, it's just you and your wife in the house with two little kids. Like, I mean, outside of, you know, some, some great philosophic moments on Bluey, you know, I mean, like we're not getting a lot of adult time, you know? So it's like, you know, sitting there and talking to her and, and, and she, cause again, they're living every step of it with you, dude, you know? And, and again, like for, for lack of better words, I mean, she, you know, my wife wanted to coach. She was coaching when we first got married and there was a crossroads of like, Hey, you know what? Like your career and your path, is going a different direction and it's going to a level that we didn't know it would get to. And that's going to make me have to take a step back in my goals and what I wanted to do, you know, and, and, you know, she, obviously we wanted to have kids. That was part of the conversation from jump street with us. So she's now transitioning into her full-time coaching position, which is raising two wild animals. But, uh, but again, it's been, you know, I think that's huge and you're right, dude. Cause again, if you go home, you don't have the support and you're always getting pulled. Why are you up there late? Like, what are you doing? Like, you should be home. Like my friend's husbands are home and doing stuff. Like it's going to be problems. And just like, you know, as a college coach, you've got to vet high school recruits when you're recruiting them and you've got to do your homework and find out every little detail you can before you make that decision to offer them a scholarship. It's no different when you're finding a spouse, you know, I mean, it's the same deal. You got to find somebody who's willing to be 
you know, uh, ride or die, grind it out with you, good and bad. And because again, you know, the 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 joy that they're going to have when you have your success is going to be that much better for yourself because they appreciate and they're a part of that same joy too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And 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 to the guys who aren't married, I mean, that that is if if you're going to be a coach and you do also want to get married, like that's that relationship is is crucial because you're going to go through different head coaches, you're going to go through different schools and all that stuff, but like your wife's the one that's going to be there for you. And, 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 uh, you know, she's going to, she's going to, she's going to be in your corner, you know, win, lose, whatever. And, and so that's such an important relationship. And so I want to, I do want to talk about the UMass experience. You talked about that one being more difficult. So you're fired from Marshall, you go to UMass. I just can't imagine walking into that living, you know, being at your house and walking in the living room and saying, Hey honey, <laughs> we're going to Amherst, Massachusetts. And, oh, no. and, and so what was that move like? And I'm sure you had to feel like a fish out of water there. Uh, and then why was that experience a little more difficult for you um, than the one at Marshall? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing was, you know, and like I said, I, I still, I've got, I mean, I got, I had an unbelievable relationship with my players there. Uh, you know, those guys, again, they've been through a lot of that programs had a very obviously rocky history the last few years from a success standpoint. And, you know, it's, it was something that, you know, going into it, you know, I, again, as I talked about, I'm a relationship person and that's at really my core, what I love, what I love about this, this profession, you know, and, and I immersed myself into those, those, those people there, you know, and the guys on the staff, again, you know, really, really close friends still stay in touch with those dudes. And again, you kind of, you're battle tested, you know, and it's like, man, like I was, I was a wreck after living a year of that life. There were guys on that staff that had been there, for a couple of years and not had a lot of success. And just like that beat down of like, you tee it up and you know, like there's a really, really good chance we have no shot to win this game guys, you know? And it's like, but at the same time, like, you know, you, you go back and you talk about how do you not be bitter and, and like things I think about, like, I mean, dude, outside of in the 2000s, outside of North Coast state, Clemson and Alabama, nobody won more football games in the 2000s in San Diego state. Okay. And I coached there for a long time. Okay. So like my existence as a coach was success. It was winning. It was almost winning a national championship twice, like winning playoff games, you know, like all these things that we did. So like you go from that and you go to ULM, right? And we had a great year. Like I said, should have won eight, nine games in 20, 2018, like and had a great staff, great, great camaraderie. And then I go to Marshall and we had a lot of success there. I mean, won a bunch of games, went to two bowl games, played in a conference championship game. So again, like the success as my career went on, it was like, man, like winning football games really makes all this time we put in and this effort and this time you're away from your kids and the grind of coaching, it makes it worthwhile because at the end of the day, like we got, we, we won the game boys. Like, let's go, you know, like that's, that's the, that I, the cherry on top. Right. And then to transition from you do that, you prepare, you, you grind, you work the same way, even work really sometimes over the top more because you want to fix it. You want to stop the bleeding. Like, Maybe if I meet with my guys a little bit extra, this, this you know, more, I, I stay up here and watch a little bit more film, even though I'm already can't even hardly see straight because I've been staring at the screen for so long. Like maybe if I do that, we'll stop the bleeding. We'll get this thing fixed, you know? And like, you know, I, I joke one of my, the funniest lines of anything that happened to us last year, you know, a head coach and I, you know, after about the middle of the, you know, the season, you know, he comes up to me in the game and he's just like, man, I, <laughs> I said, he said, I never worked so hard to be so bad. And I was like, dude, you know, there's no better way to describe this. Like these kids are working hard. Us coaches are working hard. And again, like 
football is a, is a, I mean, it's, it's the ball's not round guys. It bounces funny directions, you know, and you know, just the timing of that place where the program's at again, I got no ill will with the, the kids and, and the people there again, that was just, it is what it is. That's how that's, that was the plan. You know, that was just whatever, you know, and, you know, but again, just to, like you said, you go from not only am I a fish out of water from a social standpoint, like, you know, again, dude, I'm a big dude. I got a Texas, you know, F-150, 04 F-150 with, you know, state of Texas, you know, flag sticker on the bumper. Like, bro, I'm, I'm a Texas guy. Like, and up there, like, you get a lot of funny looks when you're a Texas guy. And so, you know, going from that social part of it to then, you know, obviously, like I said, you're, you know, the football piece of it, you know, is you, 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 you like when we do, when we beat UConn, it felt like we won the national championship. And, and it had nothing to do with winning the game. It had to do with the fact that those kids had been working so hard to not have any taste of success, to not have any like joy of like, man, this is why we've been crushing ourselves doing all this work is to win, you know? And so we got that moment. I mean, dude, I got their players crying. I'm getting choked up, you know? And it's like, you know, again, like I talked about, you go from that emotional roller coaster, you know, I'm already in a low place, you know, spiritually and, and, and emotionally because I lost my dad, you know, and that's, again, that's something I'm still not over, you know, probably will never be over, you know, but it's like, that's still so fresh and to have the professional part of it to not be the success that you wanted or that you feel you deserve is really, really difficult, man. And it's like, you know, like I said, you go back to now, it's kind of almost, you're, you're still, you're almost in the stages of grief before you've even gotten the, the death sentence yet. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, you kind of go through that and you know, it's, 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 it's really, like I said, it's, it's, it tries you in, in ways that you never thought you would, man, you know? And, and again, I, you, you say it as a coach all the time, like the good times don't define who you are. The bad times define who you are, you know, and how you handle those things and how you deal with those things. And again, you know, I, I go back and, you know, kind of in almost, you know, philosophically and spiritually, like, what would, you know, cause I, I mean, that was one of the hardest things going to UMass every single time I've coached in a football game. The first person I talked to after the game was my dad. And like, you have this, blender of emotions because you're not good we're getting our faces ripped off and i pick up the phone and i call i call my mom now I call my mom after the game every time you know i'd always call my dad and then call my mom so i call my mom first and of course as all mothers do oh sweetie i'll get them next time you're doing so good i'm so proud of you you know and then you call your wife and she's like boy that was not good and you're like yeah you know, i appreciate the honesty you know but it's just kind of, again, you know, you, you go from, you know, having the success that I was lucky enough to be a part of in early in my career. And that's very humbling, man. Like, that's like, a, that's a humbling deal. Like you sit there and you're like, dude, like, again, now you start to go back to the bargaining deal. Like, is it me? Am I stinky? Am I a bad coach? I thought I knew what I was doing. Uh, do I suck? Like, is that the problem? You know, and it's like, you just go through that roller coaster of emotions, you know? And again, that's where, like I talked about, even when you get let go, but it's, it's, it's even, even just as important when you're going through those really hard seasons that we're all going to go through, okay, is that you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Again, like my kids don't care if my tight ends catch caught eight touchdowns in a game. They don't care if we won by a hundred, they don't care. Okay. They got to come to the stadium, run around, wave a pom-pom, see daddy on the sideline and give me a kiss after the game. Like that's the main thing, you know? So like, although the, the in between those moments, isn't the fun and the joy that you maybe want, again, like understanding how really blessed you really are, man. Like I got a wife that loves me. I got two beautiful kids. I got two fat, happy corgis that run around and, 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 and have love life too. Like I got a hell of a deal going, man. You know? And, and again, like that's when you truly, again, you kind of realize how blessed you are, you know, is when you kind of go through those rough patches. And, and again, that, you know, honestly, like 
of only being there that short amount of time, that was what was so wild to me. And I still, you know, again, talk about this a lot with my wife, like how close we got as a position group from going through that. Like those dudes that were in that room with me, like I said, it's like we, you know, you joke about football being guys talk about football being war and stuff, which is obviously not a comparison at all. And that's my hate. I hate that, that, that comparison, but like, I mean, we were through, we went through some stuff now, you know? So like those dudes, like, you know, if I always valued relationships with my guys and being close to my players, but man, you go through something like that, you go one eleven, boy. Let me tell you, you you really you get tight, and it's you know there was like I said, some, you got to try to pull the positives out of it when you can, man. You know, and sometimes in situations, you know, you, you can't pull a lot of positives out of it, you know. But I mean, there, like I said, great relationships with my players, still contact with a lot of the coaches that were on that staff, still communicate with them, you know. And it's it's kind of one of those deals, you know. Majority of all of us landed on our feet. You know, which was obviously a big part of that too. You know, you kind of when when the Titanic's sinking and people are grabbing, you know, life preservers. You know, you kind of you hope all, everybody gets a life preserver. You know, especially that was on the staff with you. You know, and so thankfully, majority of us have. And again, kind of on the other side of it at this point. Yeah, when you're going through those difficult times, I think that's when all this stuff that you say you're about and that you're preaching to your kids. That's when the tables are turned on you, and it's like, okay, yeah, you really. You, you know, you, do you really love football? Because here you go, dude, this is, this is it. You know, it's, it's not always going to be, we're going, you know, 10 and 0, we're going to the playoffs and we're smashing everybody. And, and all this stuff that I say at a clinic or I say in front of people in public, you know, that all sounds good. But now like, this is when I find out if it's, if, it, if it's real or not. And, and I know for me, like, um, you know, I've had those seasons where it's, you know, you kind of, again, you're asking yourself those questions. Like, you, 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 this is, you really love football because this is it, dude. It's, it's not just the good stuff. Like it's, it's like, it's like a relationship, you know, um, you can't just take the good, you got to take the good and the bad. And, and that's when I think you talked about, like, that's when, that's when you grow the most, you know, when, when you're closest with your kids, you know, this year we had a, we had a, a really good year, but we, we, we lost four games straight and we lost some games we shouldn't have lost. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like, man, what are we doing? You know, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I think it's when, when you're when you're going through those trials, you're, you're like, hey, did all this stuff that you're that you're preaching to your kids and that you're you're talking about, like now it's 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 time to to kind of put your your money where your mouth is and and find out if you're really about it or if that's just stuff that you just say, you know, to your kids or to people in the community. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, that like you talked about, like when you're in those in those moments, like when it's really the darkest, right, like you're really the lowest that you think you can be, you know, and again, man, like uh, we're all human. We all got our our things that are our vices and our things that we turn to when things are bad, you know, and again, I'm not perfect by any stretch, but like, you know, when it comes to how you cope with this stuff and how you deal with stuff, like, again, man, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, like when it's really the darkest and you're really at your lowest, like at least at the end of the day, when I put my head on the pillow and I look myself in the mirror, like I know that I'm authentic. There ain't no fake. There ain't no show. Like this is me, man. And again, a long time ago, I made a decision to be that way. And, you know, I just, you know, it's something to me that, like you said, like that's when it's like, okay, like, am I a fraud? Right. Like if I'm a fraud, I would have never made it through these last two years. Never, not even close. And again, I, and I, and I'm not saying I made it through, you know, I won the race by, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of strides. I mean, I barely, I barely went through the finish line, but I tell you what, I made it through, you know, and, and again, you know, that, like you said it, like a lot of that stuff came from, you know, 
the guys that you've worked with before and your, and your, 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 your relationships in the coaching profession, you know, and, and, and also it came from former players. I mean, when you got former players texting you and say, coach, like you're too good a coach, dude, like you're going to find a spot and, and man, they're going to be lucky to have you. Like, again, like you don't need a pat on the back as a coach. You know, I mean, I'll never forget. Like I went up, I went up on our spring break here at ULM. I went up to our spring break to see my family in Massachusetts and they were still in spring ball. And I had some gear, some pullovers and stuff. I was bringing up to the field house to give back to the dudes. And I walked into the practice. Coach Brown didn't let me come in. I mean, I'm getting hugs from kids. I mean, kids are in the middle of drills. It's like, do their rep and run over and give me a hug. You know, and it's like, Coach, I'm so happy for you, man. I'm so jacked for you and the family. Like, again, like, those are those deals. Like, okay, like, I can look this kid in the eye and, 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 and he knows that I, I was me. I was authentic and I was what I told them. I applied those same principles for my own self. It's not just lip service. It's not, you know, this isn't for a Nike clinic or some cool deal. Like this has all been him, you know? And again, those same lessons that you taught those kids now are even more embedded in them. They're even more entrenched in who they're going to be and they're going to help them get through those things, you know? And like, that's one of the things like why I wanted to talk to you, you know, like this whole deal is the most finite thing in coaching. Okay. This is more finite than winning and losing is you're going to get fired. Okay. This is going to happen to every guy that coaches okay? and whoever has gone their whole coaching career and never been fired. First off, you're a liar. Okay. Secondly, you should buy a lottery ticket every, every week because you've got a horseshoe somewhere I can't mention on this, this show. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, it's part of the profession, but yet I can pull up right now. I say, like, whenever I was going through this, I used to tell my buddies all the time, I can go on right now and find 25 punt block drills for high school coaches to watch or college coaches to watch to prepare my team. Okay. But there's not a lot of literature about, you know, getting fired. There's not a lot of information about like, what do you do when you get fired? How do you, do you, you know, do you go on unemployment? You know, if you get your salary cut off from underneath, you've got a wife and kids like, Hey man, like I, dude, I did three interviews at enterprise rental car. I mean, you, it, it takes more inter interviews at enterprise rental car than it does to be on the secret service guys. So, I mean, I was doing it, dude. I mean, I got a master's degree. I've coached college football for 12 years and I'm at, I'm sitting in a entry level position in an enterprise rental car in Massachusetts. And you talk about a look inward moment, you know, like, Holy cow. Like you talk about some perspective, you know, but at the same time, like we talked about earlier, I got kids, man. Like it's about them. It ain't about me. You know? So like, if that meant I had to go shovel asphalt to, to pay the bills so they could be happy and they can have their same life and have joy in their heart. Like I'm good, dude. Like I don't care, you know, but you know, again, you know, you, that was something to me that like why like the world we're living in right now is more talk about mental health and, and understanding people's emotion and like the, the human nature part of this and the rawness of just human emotion and what we go through that like this business again, like there's, we, you know, especially during COVID, everybody talked about, Oh, we got, we got, and I was a huge advocate for it too. Like what about these players, mental health guys? Like we're going through an international pandemic. we got all this, you know, turbulation in the, in the country, George Floyd, racial stuff. Like these kids are going through more stuff than they ever have their entire lives. Okay. More than we ever went through either. And that was such a, that was such on the forefront of that conversation during that time period was mental health and appreciation for that and understanding that. But then you go again to our, our job, our profession. And again, if you really are like most coaches and you go head over heels all out a million miles an hour for the program you're coaching for and the kids you're coaching, and that happens to you, like that is an unbelievably traumatic emotional event and nobody wants to talk about it, whether it's a stigma of, Oh, well, he's, he's emotion guy. He's, he's, 
mental health guy and I, I'm too tough for that stuff, that's great, man. And, hey, more power to you. I'm fired up for you, man. But, like, again, I, the authentic part of that and just me being me and being honest, like, you know, there's too much that went into this and too much stuff that I went through that I, I mean, dude, if, if one minute of this can help lessen the burden of that on somebody that goes through this, a coach going through this, you know, a, a, a spouse going through this with a, with a, a, a husband or a wife, that's a coach, like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about that. You know? And I, again, I just think it's, it's something that is going to happen to everybody, but yet we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to prepare for it. We don't want to, it's like talking about death. Like nobody wants to talk about what's going to happen when grandma dies. Well, guess what guys, grandma's old. And that's what old people do. They die. Okay. So like we got to prepare, you know, and it's hard to talk about. It's, it's, it is what it is, but like, you know, to have such a, a profession that all we do is look at the glitz and the glamour and the cool stuff and the trophies and the kids going to play in college or coaching in bowl games and all this stuff. Like we never talk about the stuff that's the, the thing that's guaranteed to happen to you, you know? And so again, to me, just having that, that awareness of like, again, like how can I protect myself? You know, not just how can I give information out and help other guys in this profession, but how can I help protect myself? How can I better prepare myself for when this happens again? Cause guess what? It's going to happen again. Okay. So like, you know, to, to be naive and to think that it's not, is just it's, it's foolish. Okay. So let's say you and I, all right, after this conversation, we say, all right, let's do something about this. And next AFCA convention, wherever it is, I don't even know where it is next year, Nashville or somewhere like that, probably. Okay. So you, along with the panel of maybe four or five other coaches, cause I've been to AFCA. I went, I went every year. Um, for a while, I haven't been the last, I think maybe year or two, um, but they always have, you know, they have like a graduate assistant forum or they'll have all these different forums and they're awesome, you know, and they have these different things, but you never see on the schedule fired coaches uh, support system or anything like that. Like you never see that. Sure. So let's say you and I decide we're going to fix that. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to, we got, we know the right people and it's going to be, you know, I'll uh, moderate it and we'll have a panel of, of you and some other guys. Um, who are going to talk about that and just kind of get real for a moment and just talk about some struggles that are associated with this profession. Because not only are we talking about, you know, coaches getting fired, but how about like just the pressures of, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's only been ramped up for you guys now with, with the, the calendar, the way that it is now, the recruiting calendar, the way that it is and, and all that stuff that I don't really need to have to get into with you. But um, if, if we had, if, if that was on the schedule of events for the AFCA convention, how and I really don't know the answer to this. How full do you think that ballroom would be? We, would we have to just have like a side room off somewhere, or would that well, be like one of those big ballrooms <laughs> where they have like when Nick Saban speaks? Yeah, I would tell you, you probably wouldn't want to reserve the Nick Saban ballroom. Um, but you know, and it's funny you bring that up. I made this joke a bunch when I was in San Antonio with my friends. Like, if we had that and we put the time in and we did that, I bet you we'd get about 50 to 100 coaches in there. Okay? And again, mind you, for the people that don't know, like the ACA convention, it's literally every coach in the country, NAIA, Division I, NFL guys are in there too. I mean, it's a thousand coaches. Yeah, and even high school high school coaches. I'm exactly. going to high school. No yeah. doubt. It's become an event that high school coaches now go to for professional development as well, you know. And so there would maybe be 50 to 100 people. But if we put that same thing on the video service for AFCA where you could go on to the online library and watch it, it would probably have 100,000 views, okay? You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's still a stigma associated with it, Okay. And again, like I personally, I go back to, to, again, all you can do is go back to your own journey and your story. You know, like when my dad, you know, my dad, he played for his dad and my dad idolized his father as all sons do their dads. And when he lost his dad, 
and lost his mother. I mean, there was some underlying psychological things and some depressional things that he went through that he didn't talk about with us. And my mom dealt with it with him and, and he never really dealt with it the way he should have. You know, when I saw that as a, as a, a growing adult and saw that within my own home with my own dad and, and, and it wasn't job related. It was, you know, it was, you know, personal, just again, personal, going back to personal loss, you know, but like, again, you know, until we truly are about like, Hey, we're not, there isn't a stigma associated with it anymore. This is, we're in a association that or a, or a, a society now that's far more educated. We're far, there's so much information out there. And again, like we want this to be the best experience for everybody involved, you know? So like, why would we not want to find whatever tools we can to cope with something that is going to be such a hard thing? It's such an emotional thing. And again, like the, the thing I noticed too, and, and you find out who your real friends are quickly when this happens to you. You know, I've got buddies that, I mean, I owe them so much and guys that called and, and checked on me and called for me for jobs. And, and they were as sick about me being on the street as I was, you know, and like that still resonates to me. And those are the guys that I'll never, ever, ever forget and ever, ever be able to repay those guys that tried to, to, to shove their own foot in the door to try to help me and my family, you know, and then you also have those guys that, you know, when you, you walk in the, in the convention hall, you know, and you, you, you got no gang colors on, right. You got no logo on your shirt. Like there's kind of that stigma, like that scarlet letter associated with that too. You know, it's almost like that's bad juju. Like going over talking to the fire dudes is going to get me like, it's going to rub off on me and I'm going to get, Ooh, you know, I got cooties now, you know? So, you know, it's just, and it makes you, it, it, again, it makes you readdress and, and repurpose yourself. Like if that happens, you know, whenever I have people that I'm associated with or I have relationships with that they're going through what I'm going to be going through, I'm going to be that advocate. I'm going to be that guy who's going to go out of his way to try to help facilitate him getting out of that situation because I appreciated that so much with people that did that to me, you know? And so again, it's a, it's a paying forward deal. Part of this as well is trying to help guys and facilitate dudes, you know, getting, you know, getting back on their feet and, and again, it's just, you know, to me, I think it's, I would hope someday that that wouldn't be that way, you know, but again, it's just, unfortunately, it's still the machismo, tough guy part of our profession that guys, you know, maybe don't want to talk about that stuff, you know, because I don't want to be associated that like I'm soft or that I, you know, I, I'm, that's, that's the stuff that affects me, you know what I'm saying? But again, if to me, I think it was the exact opposite. I think it shows people how genuine you are. I think it shows people really you are about this for the right reasons, because if you were only in this for the money, if you're only in this for the notoriety, you just go to the next one. Like, I'm just going to the next gig. I don't care. I'm, a, I'm just here. I'm a mercenary. You know what I mean? Like, but if you are in it for the right reasons, the relationships, the dynamics, the development of these kids as people, like, this should affect you tremendously when this happens. There should be that sense of loss, that sense of emotional, you know, just complete calamity uh, that goes along with this, you know? And so, I mean, again, I hope, you know, I hope that changes. You know, again, I've kind of, that's kind of a passion project of mine. You know, I'm, friends with Mario Price over at AFCA and he runs the 35 and every year that he lets me I talk to that panel and that was something that I talked about this year I'm up there with no job okay I'm in the room again with the next future stars of college football you know I told those dudes I said guys two years ago I was sitting in those chairs okay now I'm sitting up here on this panel jobless okay so like let everybody let's let that sink in for a minute you know everybody wants to talk about sunshine and rainbows and how great this is and it's all, everything's perfect, you know, but there's a reality to this. Okay. I was you, I was the rising star. I was the guy that was going to do great things. And I'm still going to like, that's not all this stuff is not going to stop that from happening in my career, in my life. But at the same time, like there's a side of this that some guys don't want to talk about necessarily, you know, dive into to the depths that is necessary, 
you know, and I think that's unfortunate, but hopefully as this thing goes on, maybe that, that will change. Yeah. I think that it's a, it's a big part of it is because guys are afraid to be vulnerable, you know, and, and you see that, I mean, that's, that's, um, that's everywhere. You know, um, you see that in the players that you coach. Uh, it's a tough thing to be vulnerable and to uh, admit your your fears, your shortcomings, your you know the things you're you're scared of, anxiety, anxious about all those things. Like it's tough, and and that's why I just ask that because again, I've been to the uh, AFCA convention where I most of the time I think one time I went where I knew somebody. Most of the time I went by myself, just trying to meet people. And and you're right, like. You, you know, you walk up to those guys and there's a there's a quick look down at your logo and then back up at you. Right. And and that's kind of tells you, like, OK, this dude's about to big league. Right. Sure. And um, uh, it, but but it's it's just it, it's tough because like it, it's it's such a um, it's such a difficult thing to let that that let that mask down, let that facade down and let other people in because as a coach, you're supposed to have it going on. You're supposed to have it all together. You know, you're in recruiting mode. You know, where I'm the school I'm at is the best thing ever. We got the best stuff going on. And so I think especially as college coaches, like that's got to be a tough thing to turn off and to get real because I can't go into a living room and say, hey, 18-year-old kid, here's what I'm struggling with. You know, I mean, I I guess you could in some situations, but you know, and on the whole, you can't. You got you got to kind of keep that 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 act up, I guess, because you're trying to sell yourself and sell the school. Um but and and you know maybe that's the key. Maybe maybe guys just need to do a whole lot more of just of sharing and being vulnerable with 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 kids, and that would connect with a lot more kids. But I think that's a big part of it, also. No doubt, I agree. And I think to me too, it's like the thing I related to, man. Is like you know, I was a history minor. I'm a big history buff, and like I always talk about, like I tell my guys all the time, like, are you a foxhole guy? You know, foxhole guys always going to have their their dudes back. They're always going to be on alert. They're always going to do things that or the right way. And they're going to, they're going to be about the right stuff. And, you know, to me, like if I'm trying to build a staff, like I want real people, I want honest people and I want real people. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't like what I have to say as the coordinator, you don't like what I have to say as the head coach, but I've got a bunch of real dudes that are honest. They're going to give me their real opinion. They're going to tell me when it's good. They're going to tell me when it's bad. And I don't have to agree with that. And I don't have to take that information and do anything with it other than tell them to shove it if I want to, you know, but at the same time, like, having that ability to be honest and be real with people in a profession that unfortunately, because you already mentioned the pressure and the nature of it is becoming such a individual, like dog eat dog. I got to do me. No, who, who cares who's left in the wake because I got to try to get the next one. And I got to try to keep the one I got, you know, and it's like, you lose what got our, my dad into this profession. You lose what got my grandfather into this profession, which was the relationship in developing kids and the relationships and the friendships and the, and the the lifelong friends you have with the people that you're coaching with. You know, because again, like I say it all the time to my players, I'm like, guys, y'all don't understand. I am with you as much or more than I am with my own children, my own wife, my own family. Okay. So like, that's why I say all the time to kids and parents while I'm recruiting their sons, like if, especially if you're going to play for me, like if I'm going to be around you as much as I have to be, if they're not a good person, if they're not honest, and they're not someone that I can align my own beliefs with, I'm not going to recruit that person because I just, I, I don't have time for that. You know, I don't have time to, to be, to, to be different for one kid and, and be me for the rest. You know, like I just don't do that, you know? And so I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I think if anything, like the way this thing's going and as crazy as this is getting, 
the fact that you know like you're gonna get what you're gonna get with me and i'm a foxhole guy and i'm gonna be honest and i'm gonna be real and i'm gonna be emotional when it's supposed to be emotional but i'm also gonna be a good soldier because of that 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 you know vulnerability and that honesty then hey man if that if that stops me from getting a job then guess what dude i wouldn't be happy in that job anyway you know what i'm saying i wouldn't be happy working with those people and being around those people anyway because that's just not who i am you know and again that's Good, bad, and different, right, wrong, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's 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 me. It's my journey. And, and you know what? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sleeping really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a better place emotionally uh, than I was um, when all this was going on. Um, and, again, I think it's something, like I said, I just – it's it, I'm passionate about trying to help some of these young guys that, you know, we coach with and we work with and guys that played for me and, you know, have had, had – are going to go through these same things to, to feel comfortable enough. And that's part of this, too. Like, again, I think that's – a biggest part of the misinformation or lack of information is guys are scared to talk about this with other dudes, right? Like it's, I'm scared to call an older coach who may be a mentor of mine or a, or a guy that we may be the same age, but who's been through this before more than I have. I'm scared to call him and talk about this because it is a very touchy subject and it's, it's emotional and it's, and it's, it's, it's not cool. It's, it's not a good talk. Like this isn't a fun talk, you know what I mean? But at the same time, like it needs to happen. You know, and so like for me, like that's the thing too. Like, I want those guys, those young guys, and my players to be able to come to me and talk about this stuff. You know, because again, like this is part of it. This is part of developing how you deal with this stuff. And again, you know, if 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 I'm a sounding board for somebody who's going through this, or somebody wants to talk to me about this, then I mean, dude, I'm all ears. Because again, like this is this is just it's it's who, what this job is, man. It's just it's not going away. Well, and I and I think that. We're gonna find you. Know, you said this isn't a fun conversation, and and it's it's not on a lot of levels. But I think that uh, when we look at this back at this at this conversation at this episode, we're gonna see it's probably one of the most uh, frequently downloaded that I've had uh, definitely for this year and maybe even all time once it's all said and done. Just because uh, this is not something that's that's common for coaches to talk about, and just to be able, this is not a common. Um, format for conversation you know we're going to talk x's and o's or we're going to talk you know slide protection we're going to talk this and that's that and and uh move on with with that with our day and and that was one of the goals of this podcast was yeah to talk some football but also like get to know coaches and to provide resources for guys and i think that this is providing a huge resource for for guys when they when they tune in and listen so i I really uh i'm so glad we've had this conversation now we've talked about some heavy stuff tonight, and so we're going to end it on a little bit more of a lighthearted note. Okay, so uh, I know you're okay with that, and and yes. uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off by I'm gonna ask you some Huntsville questions. It's, okay, my, home, it's it. my hometown. Yes, born and raised. I know that's kind of like your second home. So <laughs> let's let's talk some Huntsville, uh, Huntsville, Texas, not Alabama people. Huntsville, Texas. Right. Um, tell me your your best place to eat in Huntsville. And this can be back in the day because, you know, they've places are cropping up left and right there now with with uh, Houston moving up north. And, and now they but when you were there, your best place, your favorite place to go eat. OK, I'm a little bit biased. There's two places. I, I think it's a one A, one B. Um, if you're looking for a little more of a social crowd, especially when we were in college, Humphreys obviously was like the that was the bar of which all the other restaurants were measured. Um, great crowd, great times, live music, the whole deal. Um and then obviously I was very, very lucky. Uh, my wife and I first started dating. She worked at farmhouse. Um, so as you well know, we got the, the broccoli cheese, uh, cornbread, like the pies, the cakes, the whole shebang. So like 
trust me, I abused the privilege of her working at a farmhouse when she worked there. Um, but I mean, dude, if you're a Texas guy, Southern soul food guy, I mean, like I said, farmhouse is as good as it gets. And then just Humphreys had that like great combo, just atmosphere scene and, and bar food. That was just really, really awesome, man. Great, great time. Both spots again, both very close to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love when I would go back home to visit, um, farmhouse was a place that we would usually go to, uh, loved the, um, they had like some raspberry jelly they put out with the rolls you Oh know? yeah, and chicken oh, fried yeah. chicken was what I would usually get there. Uh, was, was always solid. Um, okay. So when you're, I'm just always been curious about this, you know, we talked about Ryan Drecke. He was a, a buddy of mine in high school that I played with and you played with at Sam Houston. I was always curious when, when you got recruits coming into Huntsville, like where would you take them? So in the town, like where, what places would you show them? Where, where would you take recruits in Huntsville? Uh, well, you're talking about as a player or as a coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me let me as a coach, as a okay. coach, yeah. uh, as yeah. a coach, man. Honestly, you know, everybody always try to recruit against this with the whole prison system deal and this, that, and the other. I mean, it, every year when they do the safest college universities, Sam Houston's always on the top ten every year. So I mean, it's a very safe town, safe community, safe campus. Um, but really, man, I always used to just talking to guys just about the kind of the it was just that right size of town. You know, there's enough dining options, there's enough entertainment options. But the, the, the football part of it is still at the forefront. You know, it's not a major city where there's tons of stuff going on. There's so many distractions that football is kind of like a hobby. You know, I think always like that's what I joked about. Like there's some other schools in the state of Texas, you know, that there's a lot more stuff going on that like that's the, the main focus. That's the interest. You know, we had enough stuff there from a from a town and from a camp, campus standpoint that, you know, you have you can go 45 minutes to the woodlands and get go shopping and get a high-end meal. You can go an hour down to Houston and go watch the Astros or the Rockets. You know, so you had enough stuff to do and enough things within your fingertips. But again, like that perfect balance of like, hey man, but like really at the end of the day, ball is really important. And you gotta you're gonna focus on a lot of ball here too, you know. So I think that was kind of the it had that great just hometown vibe, man. You know, it's just I always I always joke, we're 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 like the like the baby bear, man, and three bears, you know, it's just right, you know, just, just enough stuff to do, just enough fun, but at the same time, like, it's still a great town and a great college experience that you're not, you know, going into a classroom with 700 kids, you know, you had that personal touch with the, with the professors and the community, it was just, it was, it was a great time, man, it's, it's grown a ton, it's blown up, man, that town is crazy, as you well know, um, from when you grew up there, the way it looks now, it is drastically different, but, uh, but it was a lot, a lot of good stuff. When when you were a player showing guys around, was the was the Jolly Fox one of the stops on the uh, of the night? Oh oh yeah, no, that was usually the uh, that was the uh, the culmination of the evening. <laughs> that was a trip to the Jolly Fox, uh, which as we all know is a as a national landmark and treasure. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it was funny. You actually, you know, we asked kind of my story early. You know, I always joke. You know, I tell these young guys that are coaching, like when I played at Sam, I was a bouncer at the Jolly Fox. Okay, I had long hair, big beard classic O-lineman to the T, you know, police sketch artist draw me a average FCS O-lineman and it was me. That was the drawing, you know, long hair, beard, full deal. Well, then I come back and I'm coaching for Coach Fritz and again, I'm not getting paid a penny, you know, and it's like, hey dude, like I got to put gas in the truck and, and food in my belly. So I've got a master's degree. I'm, I'm coaching college football and and I, I worked evenings at the Jolly Fox again. So I, uh, I worked the door there when I was uh, first got back to Sam and you get the people that are working with you. They're college kids. Hey, what's your major? Well, I'm like, well, I'm actually, I have a master's degree from Sam Houston, actually. So um, it was kind of funny how that comes full circle. But, oh, yeah, no, the 
Jolly Fox. That was uh, that was. I'm a Jolly Fox alumni and uh, and proud of it. So. All right. So when when you're not coaching, uh, you do have some free time. What what are some some things you like to do? Uh, well, now obviously being a dad, you know, obviously that kind of takes the forefront. We're going to the park. We're teaching. I'm, I'm a golfer. It's the only thing I was ever actually really good at and really competitive at. Um, my oldest, uh, she's. I'm teaching her to play. She loves it. She's ate up with it. Um, which is again totally selfish move by dad because now I get to double dip. I get to do what I want to do for fun. Alan, but I'm I'm with my daughter, and, and then we're gonna get the youngest one involved too. Um, so I love playing golf. Um, honestly, really, you know, should we talk about kind of coaches like we talk about our players? Like, hey, can you, what can you get better at? What can you do better? You know, as much as I keep up with you know studying football and learning and improving myself from an X and O standpoint, I mean, especially during COVID, man, like I really got into reading a lot more. Um, I think that's something that's very, very important. I think the more you can develop yourself psychologically and cognitively, it's just going to make you a better teacher. It's just going to make you a better coach. Um, you know, and I'm a big, big Ryan Holiday fan. Read all his stuff. Um, he's he's as good as gold. If you're a coach, you're a mentor, you're a leader, like Ryan Holiday is the absolute dude. He's awesome. He does a podcast, uh, Daily Stoic, um, and he's, he's it's really, really good stuff. I recommend that. Um, and then really, you know, I'm kind of a – Kind of a you know movie guy, uh, music guy, and I got a, a pretty good record collection. Um, I try to get to some concerts when I can. That was the beauty part of coming back down to God's country in Monroe. I was able to uh, during uh, the weekend in the in recruiting was able to go to Jazz Fest. Um, saw you know Stevie Nicks, um, you know, a lot of really cool acts, revivalists. Um, you know, Lita, uh, my man Boskags crushed it. You know, so it was. I'm a music guy too. You know, just trying to find some fun stuff and and, and again. Obviously, anytime I can do that with my family, get the kiddos and the wife involved, obviously we're we're all all for it. Okay, so I I I, I pride myself on being a music guy as well. Um, I'm I'm like an amateur name that tune champion, self proclaimed. Okay, because um, I, I I have a I have a wide I have a wide array like a, a, a I like a lot of different types of music. I don't there's there's only a couple types that I really cannot can't get down with. But, you yep. know, I, I can I can jive with most stuff. Uh, we talked the other day. You were on I twenty from going from coming from DFW back to Monroe. What's on the uh, What's on the ox when you're when you're just on the road driving? Oh man! Well, thankfully I had the uh, had the, the satellite radio going. Uh, big classic vinyl guy. Um, big you know sixties seventies Hendrix, Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Doors. Like I'm a big seventies classic rock guy. Um, into obviously into a lot of, you know, some really good, you know, being from Texas, a lot of great, you know, country artists out there right now. Um, really enjoy those guys, you know, turnpikes back together. So obviously all's right in the world. Um, but uh, I'm kind of like you, man, I like to mix it up. You know, I mean, it's really more kind of the vibe of what we're doing. I think it's really big, you know, again, you, you always go back to kind of your, your story and your journey, you know, some of the best memories I had with my dad is you know, we were living in Georgetown and we're driving Austin for him to go to work. I mean, we had the, you know, the classic, you know, 70s R&B, soul, classic rock stuff. And that's what we were listening to when we were kids, you know. So, like, I've been listening to that since I was my daughter's age, you know. And I got the record player out, and I, I play that stuff for them. And some stuff my daughter loves. Um, she loves big George Clinton fan, loves Parliament. It's awesome. Like, you never thought a six-year-old, you know, girl who's born in the Woodlands, Texas, would like George Clinton, but she loves it. Um, there's some other stuff that's a little bit more progressive she's not quite into. Um, but, uh, but it's fun, man. Cause again, you know, just the variety of it, you know, and, and I, 
obviously being in a you know coaching environment, you know, you hear I'm, I'm very well tuned and up to date with the, the new newest uh, you know hip hop and R&B stuff from the players. I, I allow them to to cultivate me in that capacity. Um, but uh, but no, man, I mean it's you know it's it's something like I said. It just those things like talk about the you know getting into the the, the read more music stuff like just those are all things that just stimulate your brain man those are things that just kind of create you know create organic thought they make you you know they challenge kind of what you know what you think and again man like it's i'm always i'm always really blown away with especially like the classic rock stuff like you listen to stevie wonder superstition 1964 65 like thinking about like that song is unbelievable to listen to in 2022 like how many people's heads exploded in 1964 when they heard that for the first time like thinking about just creating that and like the magnitude of that stuff, you know, so try to keep it alive, keep the youth of the world, you know, in tune with what the real music is, what good music is. Um, and just try to, like I said, keep it, keep it live and keep it going. Man. Yeah. I don't, I think it's been scientifically proven that when you hear that intro to superstitious, like you can't not like start oh, bobbing your head and, you know, get That's your fast. shoulders into it. Like it's, it's That's impossible. Fast. It's impossible. And then I, I appreciate the turnpike true words reference. Um, you know, they just, because their, their lead singer had some, had some issues with, with the alcohol, had to go to rehab, you know, like all the greats seemingly have to do. Uh, I saw them, um, a couple of years ago, my brother and I went and saw them in Red Rocks in, in, in Colorado with Randy Rogers and, uh, old 97s, uh, Charlie Crockett. Uh, it was a, it was probably the best concert I've ever been to. And, And I know they just, they just played in Red Rocks a couple of weeks ago. We were supposed to go, my wife and I, and then we, we parented out, you know, we, we, we ended up backing out. We had tickets and we ended up selling them online. I, I hate that we did that, but uh, love those guys as well. So you're a, you, we talked about you're a, like a, like a fourth generation coach. If you weren't coaching, what would you do for a living? Oh, oh dude, I tell you what, man, like all my former players there, they would definitely, they would, they would not call me a liar when I say this. I mean, I love to laugh. I love to have fun. I mean, dude, especially like in this job where like everything is just overblown and overplayed and overemphasized. Like I like to keep the mood light. Um, you know, I was, you know, the class clown growing up, you know, telling jokes and being funny, man. I, I, I've always had a passion for just, like I said, like just the joy that it brings people when you make them laugh and, and the genuine nature and the honesty of laughter, you know, it's like, it's one of the most just purest things there is, you know, and, I've always thought, you know, if I wasn't coaching, you know, that I would probably maybe have tried my hand and maybe some acting, maybe some, maybe doing the comedy deal. Um, you know, I think that's something that I would have been interested in doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's obviously its own, its own world, its own life. I don't know how much I would have made it out in Hollywood, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's something, especially, you know, being a big movie guy too. I'm just like, you know, you watch certain actors and comedians, you're like, dude, I, I could do that, man. I, I could do that, you know, and it's, you know, now that I've, I've, I'm so far down the rabbit hole in coaching, I know obviously there's that, that dream has maybe waved me bye-bye, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I've had a bunch of players and been like, man, coach, like, you, you, you should be a damn comedian, man. Like this coaching stuff, like, I know you're good at this, but man, like you're a trip, you know? So it's, it's fun. And I think that would be something I'd be, I would probably would have done, you know, and, and, and would have had a lot of fun with. Like, who do you watch? you like, all right, I could step in for that dude and, and be that role. Like maybe it's a movie or it's a, it's a, it's an actor. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure like any, anything that Kevin James has ever been in, like King of Queens to grown up, whatever, like literally <laughs> just out of movies, put me in it and like same deal, same sell. Everybody loves I it. I could see that. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, but you know, really, I mean, I mean, big Seth Rogen guy, you know, all the, 
you know, knocked up, you know, super bad, all those deals. Like I just, man, like those are the movies that like, it's funny now kids that I coach in college, they haven't seen that stuff because they were too young and they're like, what's super bad. And you're like, Oh my God, like when you've been in under a rock your whole life. Like, so again, kind of going back to the music deal, trying to help, help keep the culture alive, you know, but I think, you know, I could be one of those buddies in those, in those Seth Rogen movies or, you know, Jonah Hill movies for sure. I think I could have, could have definitely found a, a, a spot in one of those and then and been, been, been one of the gang there. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that for sure. Well, uh, coach, I mean, we could keep on talking um, forever. I, I really do appreciate uh, you joining us and, and have really enjoyed talking with, you know, that the guys who check this out are going to uh, be much better off because of it. So thank you so much for, uh, for sharing with us and for willing to, being willing to be vulnerable and, and share your story with us and just want to wish you the best of luck in, uh, in 2022 and, and beyond. And, and uh, I, I think I can speak for everybody listening. That we're all going to be pulling for you. Well, I appreciate it, man. And again, and again you know, I always, I, I say this, you know, and I, I'm, this is a business that's about people. Um, this is a business that's about, like I said, try to help kids and develop kids, but you know, coaches need help and coaches need to be developed too, you know, and, and we're never a finished product. Um, I think the day you think your finished product is the day that you need to get out of this deal. Um, and again, I encourage anybody who's listening, you know, I am not a certified health professional, mental health professional by any stretch. This is just all my opinion, but at the same time, you know, guys want to talk to me or want to hear, you know, more details and kind of, you know, share with me and anything I can do to help. Cause like I said, I mean, this is, this is a community and this is a, this is a profession that's based off of brotherhood and relationships, you know? So I think to me, anybody that wants to reach out to me or wants to share with me or wants me to share with them, I'm all ears. And uh, like I said, hope, hope this helps somebody and uh, continue to hopefully again, keep working on myself and, and keep improving myself for the next time this happens to the, the big guy. All right. Well guys, if you didn't get anything out of today's episode, then I don't know what to tell you. Like I told you he was going to do coach Siegler absolutely brought it today. And I'm just so thankful for his willingness to join us and, and discuss a topic that, you know, is not easy to talk about. I mean, uh, you can hear it in his voice. It's it's still it's still raw. It's still um, it's still something that he's working through, and and uh, but still just so much wisdom and sound advice today. And I know I learned a lot and was uh, truly impacted by what Coach had to say, and and hope that you were too. Uh, hey, go and give Coach Siegler a follow on Twitter at Coach underscore Siegler. That's at Coach underscore S E G L E R, and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. And if you'd like to reach out to Coach via email, you can do so. Uh, you can find his email uh, in the show notes of today's episode. Also, hey, make sure you're following us on Twitter as well, at KYPD Podcast. And if you're a fan of the show, don't keep it a secret. Let the world know by giving us a five-star rating and review. Uh, doing so helps other people find us and grows our audience. Our quote of the day goes like this. Where the head goes, the body will follow. Perception precedes action. Right action follows the right perspective. And that will do it for us on this episode of KYPD. Thanks again for checking us out today. Hey, have a great rest of your week. We're going to get on out of here. But before we do, Coach Siegler has one more pearl of wisdom for you guys. What you got, Coach? This is Kyle Siegler. And remember... Keep your pads down.